Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, thank you for joining me today. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and this is Conversations with Cynthia. I'm so thankful that you are here with me today. And if you missed last week, we are in the middle of a four-week series on breast cancer. And last week, we had a great show uh, with my two guests that are here today, Paula Miller and Jan James, on facing breast cancer and what it means when you get that diagnosis. So I want to encourage you, if you have not been able to hear that show, you can always go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. And you can listen to the show in its entirety. Today, we are back, and I have Jan James with me and Paula Miller. And we are going to talk today very, very honestly about the faces of breast cancer, what it means to actually have breast cancer and go through that process and to overcome, which I'm very excited, very, very thankful that both of these women um, won that battle. So today I have uh, Jan James with me, and she is a breast cancer survivor, and she is also founder of the Provision Project, which I'm excited about and we will talk about later in this show. It is a nonprofit organization with the mission to provide financial relief for women in active treatment for breast cancer. I also have Paula Miller. She is the community outreach and patient uh, resource manager. She's a certified breast navigator and breast advocate at the Honor Health Breast Health and Research Center here in Phoenix, Arizona. And she meets with newly diagnosed patients and their co-survivors or families. She's also the program manager for the support groups, wellness programs, and resources. So I'm going to give you her information as well at the bottom of this segment. So she's a great resource. Now, Jan was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2012, and she founded a private online breast cancer support group, which now numbers almost 600 women in nine different countries. And through that support group, Jan and her leadership team, they've become intimately aware uh, of the ways in which breast cancer can impact a woman's life, both physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, and especially financially. And the Provision Project wants to help women face this tough financial decision as they actively are being treated for breast cancer. So I'm going to have Jan talk for a couple of minutes, quite a few minutes, really about her story, what, what happened when she was diagnosed, what she went through. And this is one of the reasons that the Provision Project has been established. So, Jan, hello, and thank you for being back this week. Thank you for having us. So, let's see. Just thinking about my uh, bad mammo that happened, um, I went to, I had found a lump in the shower and went to, I, you know, it's funny, one of my best friends, I told one of my best friends, gosh, I found a lump in the shower. She said, well, you're going to go get it imaged, aren't you? And I said, oh, yeah. And then she called me a week later and she said, so how's it going? I said, well, I haven't gone yet. Ah. 
because there is a denial kind yes. of thing. And you denial go, is deadly. Ugh. Yes. And she said, call me back in an hour and tell me when your appointment is. I mean, that's a good, good friend. Good for her. Right, that's right. right. She just really stayed on me, which was great. Um, and it was funny. My husband, I always say that my husband never could watch that TV show ER with me because he's a non-medical guy. He'd walk into the living room when ER was on and turn on his heel and leave again because he couldn't do it. He happened to go with me to the imaging appointment, which is beyond, that's God. There's no other way around it. But we, um, they did the imaging and then they, um, they had a radiologist, they did an ultrasound and then they had the radiologist read it. And the radiologist said to us, um, you're going to have a tough next year. And he didn't say that you have cancer, but we walked out into the sunshine, I remember, and we looked at each other and we both had tears in our eyes. And I said, this, and this has been my question throughout, what are you up to, God? That was my question. It wasn't a why me. It wasn't, you know, I don't know. I was just like, what are you up to, God? And I couldn't see what God was up to for a few more months. And actually, if I look in retrospect now, I certainly see what he was up to. I have become an advocate for many women um, that are facing breast cancer and never would have, you know, if you could have said to me five years ago, hey, Jan, you're going to be, you know, founding a, um, a nonprofit to help gals with breast cancer? Don't think so. But here we are today. So, um, yeah, so it is a difficult um mind-bending, life-altering set of words. I was in the car after my biopsy. I was on the 60 in Val Vista, I remember. (laughs) And I got a phone call from my gynae, who was the first one that called me with the results of my biopsy. And I said, just a minute, let me pull off into a parking lot before she said the words. And then the words were, you have breast cancer. I already knew, really, again, because of that um, the, that sweet radiologist that kind of gave us a clue. But, you know, to just hear what those did it, words, What did it feel like as you were just sitting there? I just think words? you become numb. I don't know if like that was the way you. for you, too, Paula. But it just, you know, you just become numb. Because I think in your spirit you know that something's going on and everything. But then, the you know, the fear of the unknown, the, um, you know, it just feels like a mountain that you're not going to be able to climb. But God, with God, certainly, you know, step by step, Paula had said in a previous show, you know, you have to um, whittle it down. I think the best advice, you have to whittle it down to the the smallest bite that you can, you know, how do you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. Um, I always tell girls the best advice I ever got was that you can, you just need to do the task in front of you and then you do the next task. You have one appointment take care of that appointment, then go to the next appointment, go to the next session, whatever, that kind of so thing. So then you, then you had to tell your husband. Yeah. Well, and again, he knew because he was with me at that imaging appointment, but, you know, to confirm with him, mm-hmm. um, curiously, or I don't, this is God, uh, my husband's stepmom was diagnosed with breast cancer on the same day. Wow. So that was a double whammy for him. So, yeah. My goodness. Yeah. So then, then, the, then the journey starts. It does. Um, you know, you have to go interview, or in my case, that's what we think anyway. You know, you find a doctor, right? You have to find an oncologist, a radiation oncologist, a medical oncologist, a surgeon, a breast surgeon. So there's so many different terms that, <clears throat> excuse me, that you don't, you're not familiar with. And um, I would tell you that my theory was that we were going to interview doctors, um, it, I had heard from a wise friend that 
the one person that you must click with and must be able to communicate with is your medical oncologist because you will have them for the rest of your life. And uh, I am now a person that cannot, on a medical form, not check the cancer box. I will always check the cancer box. So therefore, I will always see a medical oncologist. So um, as we went through the interviewing process, I think we saw three onks. And the third one, um, I just hit it off with her immediately. But um, she's a beautiful gal. And I said to her in my questioning, so I'd like to know how old you you are. And she sat back in her chair, as most of us women would do, and (laughs) crossed her arms, a little defensive, and said, why do you want to know? And I said, well, you know what? My gynae um, just passed away, and I had to go find another one. And I'd like to die before you do if I hire you. And she said, okay, I'm going to be 40 next year. I said, you're hired. (laughs) (laughs) So that worked out fine. But I think, you know, you do have to, and it has to be somebody that, you know, God gave us our guts for a reason. God gave us the Holy Spirit for a reason. You have to really listen and know if that's a person that you can communicate well with because you need to make sure that you're hearing everything that they say. They need to understand you. They need to get you. That's the biggest thing. So when did it really hit you, like, for real? I mean, I know that you know intellectually, okay, I have breast cancer. They told me the diagnosis. I need to start getting doctors. But when did you actually feel it physically? Like, I really have a disease. I'm really in trouble. I'm really, this is a big one. That's a really funny question because I don't know if I ever felt that way. Oh, interesting. Because, you know what? Um, I was cancer-free right before the diagnosis. I I don't don't understand. I I don't understand I didn't have, I didn't know I had cancer. So therefore, and I felt perfectly healthy. right. And I felt perfectly healthy going into treatment. But, I mean, as soon as you start the treatment process is when people start to, like, and the changes in your body and... I think that, you know, when it, see, it, I don't know that it did hit me. I feel, you know, my analogy was always through the cancer process that I felt like a, I was a cork floating on a wave and the wave was God and God was keeping me afloat. Mm. Uh, but sometimes I'd get washed over by the big rogue waves and it wasn't great. Right. Um, I don't know that I ever felt like, oh no, you know, like there was one, you know, finite right, no, right, moment. I right. think it was just that putting one foot in front of the other exactly. and going, okay, the people that are experts are saying, this is what I need to do next. And this is what I need to do next. And I just kept going. Um, you know, I got thrown into the ICU because I caught a virus on top of chemo at one point and had no immune system. And, you know, that's, that may be a wake-up call when you're in the ER and people come in masked and gowned, you know, that, oh. But I f- actually felt pretty good because I had had fluids and, you know, right. I was feeling okay then. But they said, oh, you're not doing well, um, so you're going to the ICU. So there's there's these moments that happen. But, it, you know, yes. again, I think that there is a real numbness that comes with the diagnosis. Well, I think that's part of the, the adrenaline that helps us get through these types of things. I mean, do, it was... We have about one minute, but I want to ask you, um, did you ever fear that you weren't going to make it? Never. Awesome. Never felt See, that I way. See, I think that's important for people Mm-mm. to hear. Mm-mm. That even if, you, even if listeners are, are feeling that way, that they are not to entertain that thought. I never felt that way. I, you know, I was always curious about what God was up to because mm-hmm. God has always used 
hard times in my life to do something magnificent. And I was curious about what he was doing with this particular set of circumstances. But no, I never felt that I was going to die. I never, no, never did. That's amazing. It's a good question. Well, it's amazing. <laughs> and I, so I think when we come back in the next segment, we want to pick up again on this because I know that there are people out there that really want to hear and want to know that some of what they're going through is normal. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I know that you had some dark times. I know you had some sad times. I know you had some really frustrating, worrisome times, Mm -hmm. you know. And I think it's important for people to understand that we all feel these diseases very differently. They impact us very differently. But we still are all human. And, And it's important that we understand that, wow, I'm not the only person that's feeling this. I'm not the only person that's going through this. And, and so I, I think what we want to really focus on is really helping people understand that there is life after this. Mm-hmm. So this is Conversations with Cynthia. And join me in the next segment as we go back and look at some of this journey that Jan James has been on as she has faced breast cancer. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and I am so glad that you joined me today. We have quite a big show today. And I have two guests with me, Paula Miller and Jen James. And this is a really powerful topic and a very big topic. And it is facing breast cancer and the many faces of breast cancer. And both of these women I have on the show today have experienced breast cancer and have overcome it and are living a life after that battle. And so I had um, Jan James talking about it a little bit, and I want her to expound a little bit more about this concept, Jan, that you and I were talking about in between these segments in the commercial break, that you do have life after breast cancer, but it is not the same. No, I think everybody's got to come to their new normal. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, yeah, cancer changes you. It changes your family. It changes your friends. One of the It can be cataclysmic. Oh, it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I mean, it affects your family socially, financially, in every particular way. One of the most, uh, I guess, one of the saddest things that folks can understand is that when someone is diagnosed with cancer, there is a real common occurrence that happens that certain friends or family members will make a decision to stay out of their way. They will not pop their heads up they because they don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. Um, they think it's better if they stay silent. I have to tell you, that's about the worst thing that you can do. Pick up the dang phone, call your loved one, and mm-hmm. say that you care. Drop a card in the mail. Uh, send a meal over. Do something to let them know that you care. Um, every single one of the girls in our support group Um, has felt the pain of the loss of people that they felt were really good friends um, that just disappeared once the cancer diagnosis happened. Almost like it's contagious or something. Yeah, 
Well, or, or just it's too big, I can't handle it, I don't know what to say, mm, so I won't say anything. And I think people, some people have fear of their own mortality. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of, that's a very complex issue on the other side. The, mm-hmm. Those people may have been through a situation with someone they loved that had cancer, and it was terrible, and so they can't, they just can't. Well, it's hard, it's hard for us to, to understand the ignorance that people have mm-hmm. that we don't think would be ignorant. Right. Or that people might be shallow that we really thought, were deep and would handle a really big thing and go through it with us, and all of a sudden they've evacuated the process. Yeah. And it, it is very painful and very hard not to take it personally. Yeah, but so back to the new normal, you know, most all of our friends are for a season in our lives. That's really the reality. And so if you can um, say that to yourself, you will be astounded about how many new friends you will make through the journey of cancer. I was at Paradise Bakery the other day, and I saw a gal that had a headscarf on, and I walked over to her, and you know, I knew she was bald underneath there, and I walked over to her and said, hey, I used to have hair like yours. I'm Jan. And, you know, so she's now one of our booby buddies right. in our support group. Right. So, yeah, right. she's got breast cancer. Her name is Lindsay. So that was a great connection. So you really find ways to make new friends. And as Paula has said before, too, you know, the support, your support system is so important, whether you have an in in-person support system, an online support system, things like that. But regarding um, how you create your new normal, um, there will be a time when chemo is over. There will be a time when radiation is over. Um, But I would tell you that for my journey in particular, um, that was when the hardest part started because I found myself about a year after um, I had ended all my active treatment feeling really depressed and, in fact, was diagnosed with clinical depression. Um, That's a really common occurrence. Um, Many of the gals that go through breast cancer, I would say, have PTSD. Um, and Absolutely. We've talked about that. Cynthia Mm -hmm. and I have talked about that a lot, that cancer is a war, and um, we have to understand that we come out of it with wounds, some wounds that can't be seen by the people around us. They look at us and they think, oh, well, you look fine. You don't look sick. You know, how are you doing? You know, why don't you know you want to come on this, you know, trip with me or whatever? You don't feel like going on a trip. You don't feel like going to the movies. You don't, you know, you're having a hard time. So well, it's like a civil war. Yeah. It's like the battle is in the country that you live in mm-hmm. and it's in your body and it's against you and right. you're having to fight to survive. Yeah. In many ways, you feel mm-hmm. betrayed by Absolutely. your body, right? Absolutely. And mm-hmm. that's one of the hardest things when you are. If you have any body image, image issues to begin with, like mm-hmm. most women do, then it doubles the betrayal. Right. And we have to learn to love our bodies and love our body through that war. Well, and you have, okay, if you have a single or bilateral mastectomy, now you have no breasts or you have reconstructed breasts. You may have lost your hair for many women. Um, hair is a huge part of their identity. And for me, it wasn't hard. I always hated my hair. I love actually loved being bald. I think I'm one of the few people that I know in our group that, yes, you know, I yes. just loved being bald. Loved it. <laughs> I, got, I got ready faster than my husband. So that was, that was a benefit. So I've kept my hair short on purpose. But um, I think that a lot of women go through the body image issues. Um, sexuality is affected, certainly, in your relationship. Um, breasts may have been a big part of your sexuality. For me, in my particular relationship, my husband is a breast man, and now I don't have breasts. So um, that has changed everything in our relationship, too. So well, it's that on top of what the medication does mm-hmm. to your hor- hor- hormonal um, right. 
atmosphere in your own body, that it changes your sexuality, changes your brain. You get chemo that affects the, the brain, mm-hmm. and that affects how we perceive things, how we experience things. And so there's a huge just atmosphere change inside of a person when they go through this whole entire battle. Absolutely, yeah. I was, um, I had such a hard time with chemo that um, my body didn't like the kind of chemo I needed to take. And my oncologist said, we can turn it back and you can have chemo for longer or you can stay isolated for five months, which means I only left the house to go to doctor's appointments. And as a social person, that was an extremely hard decision, but yet um, that was the one that I made. Um, That changed my work life, my social life, my home life. It changed everything for me. And... um, and it was really difficult for my husband, I think, to see me weak because I'm a strong woman, or he perceives me as a strong woman. I guess I am a strong woman. <laughs> so, but yeah, but we had to work through that, and that was difficult for sure. Well, I think it's a, I, I don't think that anybody can understand the process that you've been through unless they've been through it. And even then, it's still personal mm-hmm. because it still is like, you know, Paula, you were saying last week. Everyone's battle is unique to their own, to themselves. The, the way your body responds to cancer is, is unique, you know. And so we're going to come into the next segment. And Paula, I want you to think about talking about some of your experience, you know, as well. And, you know, because the farther out you get from it, the more you see the benefit of healing from it and overcoming it. And sometimes we can forget those dark nights of the soul that we had, you know, and the people that are in the midst of it are feeling like, oh, you guys are fine. You're just, you got through it because you're strong and listen to how strong you sound today, you know? (laughs) So I think it'll be really helpful if we really pick up on that in this next, in this next segment, because this whole entire topic is so prevalent to us in, in our, in our world today and the prolific amount of breast cancer. And I know Paula, you and I have talked a little bit about whether or not the, it is increased or not, or whether we're just more aware of it. But we can talk about that as well. So, Jan, give us the information for you again, and then, Paula, I want you to do it as well here. If you'd like to help us provide for women who are in active treatment uh, for breast cancer, provisionproject.org is the website, and my email is jan, J-A-N, at provisionproject.org. Great. And Paula? Uh, You can contact me at paula.miller, that's P-A-U-L-L, two L's, dot Miller, at uh, honorhealth.org. Awesome. You changed email. I had to remember. <laughs> and this is Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we um, really delve into this facing breast cancer and the many faces of breast cancer. Well, welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And again, I'm always thankful that you are joining me today. And I have two very special guests with me. Uh, Jan James and Paula Miller. And these two women are amazing survivors of breast cancer, and they have um, tremendous stories. They have both gone on to do some really powerful things to help other women that are struggling with that. So we we had left off with Jan talking about a lot of her story. And and Paula, I, I want you to kind of chime in a little bit because, you know, you talked a little bit last week about your story. But give us a little bit about what what happened with you and when you got that diagnosis, and because you have a double mastectomy. I did. Yes. I had a double mastectomy. It wasn't really a choice. I can remember going into my surgical consultation, and she said, so what do you think we need to do? I said, well, I'm going to have them removed 
So let me know if I need to find another doctor. And she literally went, I am so glad you said that because I was going to have to refer you to somebody else. And I thought, all right, this is a relationship worth having. Um, And I actually, I I work with her and finally shared that story with her about six months ago. She's like, really? I said that? I was like, yeah. (laughs) So, but, um, you know, so yeah, mine was very different. I um, actually had felt a lump for about five and a half, six years prior. Oh my goodness. I felt it the first time when I was nursing my son and um, even went to the doctor. And then in 2001, my grandmother passed away from breast cancer. Of course I panicked. So I saw, had two different doctors and ironically, the younger doctor said, no, you're too young to have breast cancer. Don't worry about it. It's just a clogged milk duct. We'll get through this. You'll be okay. And my gut kept saying, no, no. So I called the older doctor who worked one day a week because he was, you know, one foot into retirement. And he said, I don't care if you have a mammogram, go get it. And I can remember looking at the mammogram and it was as white as white could be. Of course, I know way too much now compared to then. And the young doctor went, no, agitating milk duck, go home. You'll, you'll be okay. Okay, score. Someone told me what I wanted to hear. Isn't that interesting in your Mm -hmm. gut? Because Jan, you were talking about last, you know, last hour, the gut that God really gave us a gut for a reason. It wasn't enough gut because I went through six years of playing like it was not a big deal, not listening, right? So it, um, you know, but I wasn't a believer at that time. Um, So I think a lot of that has to do with just not having the faith to sit back and really hear um, God pounding on that door. Hello, you know, or no, or knowing that that you had a God that would get you through that and yeah. walk you through that and, valley, or to guide you and get you yes, there. And, yes. um I think I said it before; it either comes through God's hand or by God's hand, and and uh, but we got to allow Him to lead either way. So six years later, um, I was having pain; it was bigger, and I was like, mm. thirteen years of marriage with my husband being alcoholic, and the last thing I wanted to do is have to figure out how to get through that with a man who just didn't have many priorities beyond a bottle of bourbon. And um, I say that jokingly now because I was blessed enough. Two weeks before I was diagnosed, he became a Christian. Hmm. So <laughs> And he went into recovery. Uh, he just stopped drinking. He was wow. instantly healed that day. Wow. Um, he said it was like coming up for a breath of out of the water, taking a breath of air. Um, he hasn't touched it since. And his he says, he even said it over the weekend, um, uh, my next drink will be in heaven with the Lord. Like, wow. Right? And he's never wanted it ever since. That's amazing. So it was two weeks after that. I had actually, um, the day be- the week before he became a believer, I had gotten an order for a mammogram. And I was putting it off and putting it off. And then he became a believer and finally was like, okay, I need to do this. And I went in. It was kind of like yours. You know, they're not supposed to tell you, but it's the whole, so how long have you had this? And what did they tell you? And how... Long story short, that technologist who did my mammogram and ultrasound argued with a radiologist down the hall that he had a responsibility to tell me today what was happening and that she was going to walk his butt, in nicer terms, down the hall, and he was going to tell me. And I actually ended up consoling him. I said, it's okay. You can tell me what I already know, but I need to know. And he wouldn't look at me, and she stood there like a... um, and looking back now, that technologist is someone I work with to this day. My goodness. And so God's just put everything in place. And the first thing I did was hit the floor because that's all I had. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how long I was in that closet. I'm sure they probably thought, 
how are we going to get her out? <laughs> I, I have a feeling I was probably there for an hour. And uh, long story short, when I went to a local hospital to try to get an MRI, um, I got out. My husband called. He's yelling on the phone. I'm thinking, see, I knew it. He went to the bar. He's like, I've been driving around for an hour. Where have you been? And I started crying. I'm like, you came. <laughs> and he's like, where else would I be? Right, and exactly. I said, drinking. He said, honey, I told you, my next drink's with the Lord in heaven. Where are you? And that was the beginning of it. Um, where he led as a godly man and made sure that uh, it's amazing you know, how God set things up um, for you to know that yeah. that your husband really in his heart wanted to be that man. Yeah, and God gave the opportunity for Thank that God to happen for you both. Yeah. It's it's really truly amazing. Well. Yeah. Thank you for um, joining us, and we have we have um, one more segment to go, which I'm excited about. So join me again in this next segment as we really talk to these two amazing women and how they faced breast cancer and what they are doing in their new life without it. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and I am very thankful that you are joining us today. And if you have not been able to hear this show in its entirety, I want to encourage you to go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. And the show will be um, up there right on the website, and you can download it as a podcast. So we are back here with uh, my wonderful guests, Jan James and Paula Miller, who have faced breast cancer, have fought that battle, have overcome that battle, and now are living a life which is, like they both have said, finding their new normal. And so I want them to talk pretty candidly about just really what it means to go through that process and the myriad of feelings that you can have and the doubt that you may experience. And some women really falter in their faith, which we want to make sure that people understand that that is so normal and so um, that, that God is not ever offended by any of that. And, and some people find a faith they didn't know that they even had. And so there's a lot of different ways that we respond to something as cataclysmic as the diagnosis of breast cancer. So, so Paula, maybe you could start a little bit with that. Well, you know, I do come across a lot of women that don't have a faith, and you have to kind of find a way to share hope when they may not have it. You know, I think you nailed it. God just wants to hear from us, even if we're yelling at him. Exactly. Um, That's what relationships are about. And when you have a true relationship, it's about give and take. And the Lord wants to give, but he wants to hear from you. And he wants to hear good, bad, and otherwise. And he wants to hear your thank yous and and your, you know, how can you let this happen? Um, And I think that's actually a healthy step in the whole process is to be able to do that. Well, you know, I think it's important for people to understand God is not offended by us being human. Right. Ever. He is not ever offended by our humanity, that we are human and humans are bound by time and we can't see the big picture and we get scared of the big picture, especially when we get a diagnosis like breast cancer, that that is for human for people to falter, to doubt, to get right. scared, to be angry, to be confused, to feel betrayed, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's those other people that it is the very thing that ushered in a faith they never wanted and are so thankful they have. Right. I think it's just important that whether you have faith or not, it's okay to be weak. Absolutely. It's okay and to what feel does weak challenged. look like? And see, and I think that's, that's important to say, what does weak really look like? Right. It's different for everybody. Yes. Um, so it's, it, it's, 
figuring out how that is in your life and what you're going to need to take that one more step forward. And so may, and maybe we should say weak is instead of seeing it weak as a as like a negative, we would say it's okay to be vulnerable. vulnerable. Right. vulnerable. And vulnerable means I'm scared, I'm hurt, mm-hmm. I'm worried, I'm afraid, I'm alone. I am I I hate myself what whatever that vulnerable feeling is I need to cry and I need to wail and weep and whatever I need to do Mm-hmm. freeze up shut down you know transparency is difficult for everybody Absolutely. and I think it's also difficult to see in somebody else that you love and when they're finally there I know for a lot of caregivers what do I do or what do I say no one needs you to fix it just say yep well that, that's so I, what I you were talking you. about Jan where you, Greg always saw you your husband as a very strong woman and when you started to be very vulnerable and really in pain mm-hmm. what that was like for him oh yeah I think it was devastating for him mm-hmm. because I changed right before his very eyes mm-hmm. one of the things um, we talked about um, the booby buddies which is our secret top secret <laughs> nobody can find it uh, Facebook support group but, but they you, can if they go to the provision project yes, and tell you who they are yes if okay. you'd like to contact me at Jan at provisionproject.org um, we can have a conversation about adding you if you got breast cancer to the booby buddies um, but I think the Booby Buddies has become a tremendous place for, I always say we're open 24-7, and we give relief to the family members that are around mm-hmm. us because none of the girls on the Booby Buddies page are ever tired about talking about breast cancer. If we're there, we're willing to talk. And it is gut-level talk. Oh, it's in the mm-hmm. trenches. It, <laughs> it is. It is raw. You know? It is real. Yeah. And some things are a little hard to read and some things are difficult to say because you don't want to upset anybody but the reality is is they're coming raw they're Mm -hmm. coming and they finally have a place to be honest and and really vulnerable and and they got to be ready to also hear the same Mm -hmm. thing back Mm -hmm. i mean i know one of the biggest thing is is just caregivers kind of like your husband you know always saw you that way i can remember my husband listening to me do the why it's not fair and and just went, here's your Bible, because I don't know how to answer that question, which was a great response. Answer, right. right. Um, but we forget that we're going through this physically. Our loved ones are going through this emotionally. The men in our lives, significant others in our lives, they don't know any more than we do how to respond or what to say. And and especially poor men, they're, they, they're fixers. So they're like, well, I'm going to give you the answer. No, that's not one. You know, and so a lot of times I find myself reminding women, hey, give him a break. He's just as scared to lose you as you Mm -hmm. are to lose yourself. Well, and I think in contrast, why the booby buddies is so important is there are some men that fail and leave the relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, we and, have a lot of girls yes, that and have been cannot, deserted. Yes, yeah. and, you know, and that's powerful. Abandoned to, with children even. Yes. I, mean, it's really, I, yes. I read a study. It is actually interesting. When a man is diagnosed with a disease or something cataclysmic like cancer, 28%, um, right? Am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Yes, 28% end in divorce. Mm-hmm. No, 2% end in divorce. If a woman is diagnosed, 28% are diagnosed or uh, are end, end, in divorce. end in divorce. Yeah. Yes. Much higher. Yeah. Much higher. Yeah. So I think it's kind of interesting the the route that it takes. When it's a life-altering event, no mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so as we look at what it really feels like, because both of you have overcome it, you, you, you went into it with faith. You acquired faith through the process. So when you think about that experience, you know, and if you were relating to women, you know, that are in it right now, what might you say to them, you know, about, hey, it it, it does get ugly, it does get brutal, and there still is hope, 
And there still is a great story, and there still can be life at the end. I think my conversation with most of our gals that don't have faith is um, to really, you know, as Americans, I think most people have some background of what they believe God may be, you know, that kind of thing. Um, But, you know, I try to point them to God's plan for their life, um, for what God is doing in their lives as far as healing. Um, I'm thinking about one particular gal uh, in particular. She she was certainly suffering with cancer, but I could see that God was really trying to heal her spiritually and relationally. And so it was a whole different, you know, so God may have allowed cancer to enter her life as a kind of a fulcrum to to go off into these other areas where she had some really bad stuff happen to her early in her life and um, there needed to be some healing there. So you never know what God is up to. I mean, he's got his plan for each and, of us. And, you know, and it is a trust issue and it's hard. And mm-hmm. I think when you have a cataclysmic event like breast cancer, you your trust of Everything gets challenged. Mm -hmm. Trust Mm -hmm. in your body, trust in yourself. You have to trust doctors you just met. You have to trust insurance companies. You have to trust friends and family. And then some of your friends and family, you know, don't live up to who you thought they were. And Mm -hmm. then you have to trust God at the same Mm -hmm. time. And so I think that's why it's so powerful to understand that you need a team around you and caregiver, the primary caregiver of you needs a team around them. Mm -hmm. And that we cannot do this as a sole um, battle. Nobody can win this battle alone. Mm-hmm. And that it, I think it's important to drive home the point that if you struggle with this battle, know someone with this battle, that's why we have resources here on the show today, because you can't do this alone. Right. Mm-hmm. So what were, when you think about some of the darkest nights that you had, the darkest times, what, 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 would, what were those like for you and how did you get through those? I think the majority of us agree that it's that moment when you lay your head down on the pillow. <laughs> You're alone with your thoughts and everybody is asleep and the house is still. That's about the time I start to cry, so bear with me. (laughs) You're alone with your thoughts and your reality, and you have to face it. Mm -hmm. Um, Sorry. And for me, that's when God showed himself the strongest because I would just, that's where I cried out, fix it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go to sleep with these thoughts. I don't want to wake up with those thoughts. And there's that fleeting moment where reality is there, and it hurts, and it's scary. Um, but, you know, so for me, it was those silent moments where you just thought, well, because you are, you are, you know, this. no matter how many people you have around you, you are alone. Yep. You you have to fight it. it and and that it is your, battle yeah, too. it is, it yeah. still is. And I think that's one of the hardest things. Now we have about, oh, about five minutes. And I really want to make sure that people hear about the phenomenal resources that you guys have. Um, for anybody that knows someone that's going through this, or if they if they're going through it themselves, if they've been through it, even if they've been through it, this is a great group, mm-hmm. you know, because we have that that other show we have to do someday about life after <laughs> and how we get on with things, which mm-hmm. is its own show, you know. Mm-hmm. So so tell us again about the Provision Project and what that really is doing mm-hmm. for people. And, and for anybody that wants to be involved that is, is not a survivor or doesn't even know people that have survived but loves the cause, mm-hmm. how they can donate. Well, all of our lives have been affected by breast cancer in some way yes. or another. We all know someone that has mm-hmm. had it. So um, <clears throat> if you are, I, let me go back to the booby buddies for one second. Okay. Um, if you are a survivor, 
um, or you have had breast cancer in your life and you are a woman, um, then, and if you want to get involved in the Booby Buddies, just email me at jan at provisionproject.org, J-A-N at provisionproject.org. Um, you can't, that's a Facebook support group, so you have to be a Facebook member, um, but we can talk then about getting you involved in that. We really welcome survivors because we are adding daily, unfortunately, uh, newly diagnosed gals, and so they all can benefit from hearing your story and your experience. And you had, you had 600 at last count all in mm-hmm. nine different countries. Can, explain a little bit, like you, you to- told me about the different rooms. That's fascinating. Yeah. It's wonderful. We actually, for the gals that are living with metastatic cancer, which is stage four breast cancer, we have um, a separate page called the living room, which is those gals have different um, conversations, different concerns. Um, It's obviously tougher kind of conversation, but the support there is tremendous. There are prayer warriors that have joined that room that pray specifically for those gals every day. It's just, it's really, it's a beautiful thing. Um, We've got different um, subgroups. Uh, We have geographic teams so that the gals can get together in person um, with the other women that live close to them. So we got all kinds of stuff going on there with the booby buddies. So that's good. So again, recently got the spouse room. Right. We just recently um, launched, it's called BB Men, again, a secret group. um, And that is for the spouses of the women that have breast cancer in the Bowie Buddies. And it's headed up by two of our, two of the husbands of our group. Which I think is probably the most challenging because men never think that they need to get connected and they probably need to be connected the most. Absolutely. Um, Mm. So... I would just recommend anybody's spouse is, look, it's hands off. You don't have to look anybody in the face. You can share yourself and not have your vulnerability put out there like most men want to do. Because let's face it, they usually don't get involved unless we make them or there's beer (laughs) and football involved. Right, exactly. And so this is a great way to be able to do that. And so the provision project, we have like one minute. So give me about 15 seconds about if they want to donate because that's goods and services, right? Well, yeah, this is to help bridge the gap for gals that are in active treatment for breast cancer. It is for... You know, moms that are trying to keep the lights on because they this spend is financial. Money. Yeah, it's financial and so it, it's relief. tax deductible. And, it is. Yes. We are a five hundred one c three. So yeah, provisionproject dot org. We would sure appreciate your participation if you'd like to volunteer or uh, to help put together events. Uh, pray for us. All of those things. We would love to hear from you there. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. You guys are are amazing and really, you know making some pretty big ripples in the world. And I thank God for both of you and for what he's done in your lives. We are grateful to be here. And, and thank, thank you for you having for us. for sharing. Yeah. yeah. So this is Cynthia High with Conversations with Cynthia. Um, join me uh, in two weeks from today. We are going to be talking about uh, the grief and loss process. And unfortunately, there are some women that do not survive this battle. And that is a show that we are going to talk about at length, the whole grief and loss process, what that means and that that is a reality. So I appreciate you listening today. Again, um, Jan at provisionproject.org. And Paula, we have you. You want them to contact Jan to get to you? Is that easy? That's easier? Okay, that's awesome. Because you're a great resource in navigating healthcare. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Have a blessed week and listen to the show in its entirety at CynthiaHyatt.com. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. 
We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at FaithTalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.